Okay. Okay. Good. I'm going to have to crack my brewski beer. Oh, I don't Today have Today I have a Pacifico. Ah. Okay. Here's... I have... Whoa, that was crispy. Not a beer. It went... <sighs> Mine's a probiotic soda. A probiotic soda that tastes bad after you brush your teeth. Oh, I very fitting for this episode. I'm currently planning a party to celebrate my divorce being finalized. Yes. We're throwing a rager at my house mm-hmm. this weekend, which it will already be over by the time this episode comes out. Right. I ordered party day, $70 worth of party decor on Amazon, um, including not one, not two, but three multicolored disco lights. Yeah, as you should. Um, streamers. M- disposable shot glasses and and i came up with one of my most brilliant ideas a welcome shot that's called it's called tequila marriage and it's just a shot of tequila and the chaser is a ring pop (laughs) so anyways i i will say when i first got divorced everyone was like oh Sarah, we need to celebrate or we need to have a party we need to have a party that you're separated and i was like no i'm very sad (laughs) I think it's weird. And then I'm at like the one year mark now and my paperwork is about to be finalized. I have like one step left. And it was like, there was a couple of people who were like, we're at a, a, your one year, should we do a party? And I was like, oh yeah, that sounds, that sounds like it would be fun now. The energy is better, yeah. Yeah. So that's my big, my happenings. Yeah, um, yeah. This weekend. Oh, and the theme is um, inappropriate t-shirts. Right, which I have to, I, I have, I feel like a lot of people aren't gonna have them. I think I'll just I'll my backup is my Playboy t-shirt. I which Playboy is mild. Would be great. There's like a small butt on it, but it's still like, you know. Yeah. Raunchy. Sexy. Yeah. Yeah. I my shirt just says pussy power and has a cat on it. But then the two friends' shirts that I've seen so far, our friend Virage bought a sh- the most unhinged shirt. He wins, I think. Yeah. I'll be Surprised if anyone tops their shirt. It was Voldemort, the the head of Voldemort, on a naked woman's body, and she has her hand over her hand over her tits, and then it says Horcrux, but spelled W H O R E, and then it says I'm going to destroy you, Harry. Good. I don't know how he found that. And then our other yeah, friend, would he even search to get that to show up? And I don't want to know. And then our other friend found a T-shirt at Goodwill that said. You need good sex ASAP or something. <laughs> so that'll be a funny, silly party. And then the following weekend, I'm throwing a baby shower. Very different tones. <laughs> Although the, the baby shower, it's my sister's baby shower. It is going to have a shot ski. So yeah. we're related. Yeah. For sure. For mm-hmm. sure related. So anyways. Yeah. That's my super duper exciting goings on. Should we do our song before you tell us about the most unhinged dream <laughs> I've ever heard of in my life? Sure. Okay. Hi, I'm Maggie. And I'm Sarah. And this is Mad, Mad Woman in, in the, the Attic. Attic. Ho, 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 ho. Let's, Let's go, go girls. girls. Yeah, the most unhinged dream. This was wild. So it became relevant to the conversation why? Because I, I told you about it. I told you about the first part. We were in a mall and it's always the same mall in my dreams. I won't go into detail, but we were in that mall. Is and it a you mall were wearing... I've been to? No, it doesn't exist. Oh. 
It's just the same one. It's, a it's the same format a my, that my brain off. develops this. There's a really nice center section and then there's always these shady wings off to the side with like a decrepit Dillard's <laughs> and then a weird lingerie shop. So a mall. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, especially a modern day mall situation. Uh, you had just and bought- guns. <laughs> and guns, yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, lovely. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you were wearing your fishnet tights. Yeah, because I'm going to wear fishnets to my yes, party. And so we've that. just been talking about uh-huh. that. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was all kind of fine and as normal as dreams can get, which is not very normal, but normal enough. And then at some point we went outside and we realized there was this very like the last of us fungus thing taking over the world naturally yeah you would open people's mouths and it would be like in their throats and you'd have to like try to pull it out so we were like maybe we should do something about this yeah and it was several people but i mainly remember us and we had gone to a warehouse where there was like it was covered in this green pink it was all pink like hot pink yeah slimy fungusy looking stuff that was sort of alive mm-hmm. <laughs> You and your fishnets, of course, were like, fire will fix this. <laughs> and so you um, somehow just whip out a bomb. It's like, you know, in a video game where you have your backpack full of stuff and you're like, where do you keep this? But here's a bomb. And you, you might throw fun. it. <laughs> yeah. You throw it onto the stuff in your fishnet tights, which is just a mood in general. Very yeah. nice. Um, but then what happens is that. It sort of, it dies, it burns up, but like its essence (laughs) just kind of whooshes up into the air. And it's also kind of in the middle of a storm. So it's just like roiling around like storm clouds. Uh And I have this, the audience should know, I have this thing in my dreams where if I'm going to fly in a dream, I have to flap my arms straight out in front of me. There is no other option to get me into the sky. And so we're like, well, we have to get on top of this thing, obviously. That's the next part of the plan to destroy the essence of this fungus invader hot pink thing. So we get up there. I fly up there with my little arm flaps and we're standing on top of it like well now we can kill it and then the dream ends so i don't know what happened to that dream world it probably got destroyed i don't think we found a way to kill this what a silly crazy dream yeah i've been having a lot i've like i'll go through a month or two where i have no dreams and then there'll be a solid month where it's like yeah what the fuck is happening in my brain and that's i'm in that month right now i'm having weird dreams every night I had a, I have been sleeping terribly and I was very frustrated last night because I had a dream where I, I, you know, when you like fall asleep, you have a dream all the way through and then Mm -hmm. the ending wakes you up and you're like, yes. And then you fall back asleep. Exact same dream. Yeah. It probably five times. I don't remember. Weird. What the dream was about. You just know it was the same. But it kept waking me up. It was the same dream because I, the, the last time it woke me up, I was like, how many times am I going to have, like, what is my brain doing? Shut up. I'm Weird. trying to sleep. Because I barely slept last night. The little sleep I got was, like, just panic. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Do we want to jump right to our yeah story today? Yeah. I feel like we're... Go, go, go. Snappy, snappy, snappy. Maybe we'll finally deliver you a podcast episode that's under an hour and a half. <laughs> Maybe we won't. Maybe. <laughs> I was almost early today and then I 
decided to do something new with your hair and your outfit. I created like, an I unhinged extra outfit with double buns in my hair. And then I was like, Maggie texted me at the original time I was supposed to be here. And I was like, I'm ready. And she just responded, ha, 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 because I'm chronically late. Sorry. I, really I didn't do. know how to approach that first text. And I, I was like, I really hope she knows that I'm just kind of it teasing. It doesn't hurt my feelings. So it's like, I, it's the one thing I hate about myself, but also like I try desperately to change it and I can't it's the it is the one thing because I have a couple I won't name names but I have several family members who have ADHD and it's the one thing all of us have in common and we're like we struggle with different things trying to get out of the house but like being on time is forget it yeah ho 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 story time we were in a lower key that time <laughs> yeah, okay. what she said. Wink. <laughs> Today is a fun one. Um, if you haven't noticed, for February we have kind of themed love, anti-love. Yeah, we've themed the vibrators around love. So our vibrator episode that came out last week was about self-love. Mm-hmm. Today we're doing the history of marriage, mm-hmm. and then next week we have a fun mini sode about platonic love. Yeah, coming out. So we and it's just of- gonna be me and Sarah hugging each other and kissing. <laughs> yeah. We want to make a portal. <laughs> Come on, let's go and play. play. <laughs> if people only Good. knew how often we break into that song. Yeah, it's been a while though. It's been like I at least a couple months. I just did the other day, but you weren't there. Oh. I can't remember who I was with. <laughs> how dare you? Okay, so today we're talking about the history of marriage. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. And let's do it. Okay. When I went through a divorce at 29, I experienced a bit of a deconstruction. Here I was, entering my 30s, about to lose everything I thought would make the next chapter of my life meaningful. A loving partner, a few kids, a home we could call our own. My friends and family tried to comfort me by assuring me that I had plenty of time to remarry, that I was still young enough to have kids with a new partner. And what surprised me most was that I began to question if that was even what I wanted. It wasn't just that I had left an unhappy marriage. It was that I was so in love with my independent life that I could feel my hopes and dreams for my future start to shift. Did I need marriage and children to be happy? If marriage is the end-all be-all, why do half of them end in divorce? Can there be true equality in cishet marriages given the patriarchal origins of the institution itself? and how are feminism, queerness, and non-traditional relationships shifting the societal pressures around love, marriage, and family. Beautifully done. I hate that I had this weird little bang that whole time. I looked at it and thought it was really cute, actually. Oh. (laughs) Put it back! Okay. (laughs) Okay. We're committing to the pitch. (laughs) So it's difficult to pinpoint exactly where marriage started, but it's likely that informal unions and family structures date all the way back to prehistoric times. It's thought that these family structures consisted of loosely organized groups of as many as 30 people with several male leaders who shared women, not wives, but women and children. Mm-hmm. So kind of like commune-y. Yeah. Oh, love that for them. Yeah, or animal herds. Yeah, exactly. Um, and as we get into ancient civilizations with hunter-gatherers settling into more agrarian society, marriage becomes more formal. The first recorded evidence of marriage ceremonies between one man and one woman dates back to about 20... 20- 
350 BC in Mesopotamia. Mm-hmm. And over the next several hundred years, marriage evolved into a widespread institution embraced by the ancient Hebrews, Greeks, and Romans, but it had little to do with love or even religion. It's often said that the initial purpose of marriage was to create strategic alliances between families. I feel like this is a narrative you kind of hear mm-hmm. when you look at marriage, old versions of marriage. Yeah. But what that actually meant was a bit more sinister. The primary purpose of marriage in its origin was to bind women to men so they could guarantee a biological heir. And according to one of my sources, in the betrothal ceremony of ancient Greece, a father would hand over his daughter with these words, quote, I pledge my daughter for the purpose of producing legitimate offspring. Among the ancient Hebrews, men were free to take several wives. Married Greeks and Romans were free to satisfy their sexual urges with concubines, prostitutes, and even teenage male lovers while their wives were required to stay home and tend to the household. And if wives failed to produce offspring, their husbands could give them back and marry someone else. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah. So if the origins of marriage are starting to sound like forced breeding, (laughs) it's because it was. Yeah, because that's accurate. Yeah. (laughs) If it's making you think of livestock, Mm -hmm. it's because it wasn't that different. Mm -hmm. So while marriage could provide benefits to women like financial stability, protection, and home, like a home, all things that they couldn't have by themselves, Mm -hmm. women were considered property of their husbands and had no say in who they married, if or when they produce, reproduced, and who else their husbands were romantically or sexually involved in. But of course, they couldn't have any of those freedoms. Right. Things started to shift as the Roman Catholic Church gained power in Europe, which I feel like they're just... (laughs) They just crop up. They just every have their other episode and everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're just meddling the in everything. <laughs> um, so marriage became a sacrament that had to be blessed by a priest in order to be legally recognized. At the Council of Trent in 1563, the sacramental nature of marriage was written into canon law. Canon law, C-A-N-O-N, canon, canon law, like a literary canon. Yeah, that same thing. Okay. So this change resulted in several very important shifts in what could and couldn't fly within a marriage. Mm -hmm. So first, divorce is bad all of a sudden. No more giving your wife back if she can't make a child. Divorce is no longer accepted. Mm -hmm. So women become slightly less disposable because of this. And there's a cultural shift where men are now being taught to love and respect their wives (laughs) a little more. Somewhat, kind of, or maybe. at the bare minimum, like treat them like a person. Yeah, <laughs> somewhat, kind of, maybe. <laughs> Imagine that wild ideas. Yeah, and uh, another big shift is that sex becomes exclusively between man and wife, mm-hmm. which meant that monogamy was all of a, all of a sudden a two way street. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it used to just be that women were monogamous and men could do whatever the fuck they wanted. Yeah. So now there's this expectation from the church that men should remain faithful to their wives. Of course, the reality was probably different, mm-hmm. but at least there was like a societal and religious pressure kind of moving things towards monogamy. Yeah. And finally, men are still considered head of the household. So while we're no longer necessarily saying that women are legally property, Mm -hmm. they still don't have a lot of agency within a marriage and women are still expected to follow the lead of their husband, which we still see in the church today, the Christian church. Mm -hmm. So interestingly enough, this is around the time we start to see love as a driving force for marriage. So up until this point, it really had to do with 
offspring mm-hmm. with procreation mm-hmm. and sometimes with like property, with politics, that kind of thing. So now we're starting to see love marriages for the first time, mm-hmm. which finally gives women some much needed leverage. So women are still very much considered under the power of their husband, but within marriage relationships, love gives women the ability to influence their husband's decisions. It also creates a narrative that men can also serve their wives in some way Mm -hmm. through devotion and love. So this is the first time we're starting to see men be conditioned or taught to see their wives as someone they should also be pouring into or giving energy to, Mm -hmm. which really wasn't important before. Yeah. They were just a hired help, but they don't even get paid. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) Which sounds a lot like, I don't know, slavery. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Um, There are a lot of common things between early marriage and slavery because women are literally being sold by their father Mm -hmm. to their husband with like a dowry. Right. It's important to note at this point that this evolution of marriage we just talked through was not consistent across cultures and religions. So I won't go through like each culture and each religion's marriage practices. Mm -hmm. That's would take all day. Yeah. But a few examples, like when colonists arrived in America, polygamy was still like the most common thing among natives. Um, And there, of course, are parts of America where polygamy is still practiced despite it being illegal. (laughs) Cough, cough, Utah, cough, cough. (laughs) Which um, seems to be for more problematic reasons. Right. It's not, yeah, the whole comparisons to polyamory is cool now, though. And I'm like, but it's a little bit different. Yeah. The way it's used in those. Yeah. The way polygamy is practiced by very conservative evangelicals and Mormons is Mm -hmm. very much to uphold abuse. Yeah. Also, like arranged marriage is to this day quite common in India. Mm -hmm. Um, And matchmakers consider things like family, religion, socioeconomic status, and even astrology to create strong matches. And have you ever watched um, Indian Matchmaker on Netflix? No. Okay, I am obsessed with that show. (laughs) I'm obsessed with that show. And it was really, like, informative. Obviously, that's not, like, a... It's not everyone in India or all Indian Americans Mm -hmm. or whatever. It's not, like, everyone does... Uses matchmakers, but it is a lot more common there. I was surprised at, like, the people who are featured on the show who are more our age. Mm -hmm. Like, they're very much into it. And they want a partner that, like, is very... Like, they have this, I think, really cool idea around, like, what what makes a strong match and a long-lasting partnership and mm-hmm. really starting with that and then allowing love to grow out of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just think it's, like, an interesting take on yeah. it. Yeah. And they have, like, pretty high success rates, but I also think the other edge of that is that divorce is, is not really yeah. acceptable, so. Did I ever tell you about the time I got a, re- a matchmaker reached out to me? No. On LinkedIn. On LinkedIn, of course. Yeah, I. it was right before the pandemic. It was like 2019. I got a message on LinkedIn from this professional matchmaker. I looked it up and she was legit. And she was like, hey, I have a client I think would be really interested in you. Whoa. Um, here's kind of how it works. You don't pay anything. Yeah, He's my client. Pay he it. pays me. And, you know, just let me know if you're interested. We'd love to kind of set you up. And it nothing, I ended up like kind of skirting it. Yeah. <laughs> obviously a little bit, 
But then I looked up how much matchmakers can get paid, oh, well, especially in the States. Especially I don't know successful elsewhere, ones. but like, yeah, like it's like six, seven figures. Yeah. I mean, from one client, it can be six figures. And yeah. so it's like, can be seven figure salary. It's wild. Yeah. I think it's also more And I was like, common... damn, this person must have been rich. I should have said yes and met them. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I think it's more common with like, not necessarily powerful, but like successful families where they want their kids to be matched with compatible also successful families yeah. where they would be like a power couple yeah i also love the way they factor in astrology into matchmaking or face reading yeah it's really cool yeah anyways highly recommend that show i love it okay good it's just so it's so good and i was trying to remember when you said someone reached out to you they have these profiles and i can't remember it's something data i can't remember what they're called it's kind of similar similar to like metadata yeah and that you have like a profile, like a very in-depth profile about mm-hmm. like your family and your career and your finances mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And then you can, they deliver you like the top few candidates and you go through it with your family. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. kind of cool. Yeah. And it like, uh, as long as it's consensual, it's like, yeah, why not? Yeah. That's what I think when it's consensual, it, I kind of get like, you would have a lot in common with that person. It's right. not like you're being forced into it. Like they're mm-hmm. they're setting you up to go on dates with people. So like if you don't like them, you don't have to marry them right. by any yeah. means. It's just a way to set you up with someone who's like more compatible. And mm-hmm. I think it's kind of cool. And I like yeah. that they involve family. Mm-hmm. I think it's cool. Okay. So in the US in the last 100 years, We've had some of the most significant legal changes around marriage. And I really feel like we are living through the impact of that right now. I think a lot of the shifts that we're experiencing around marriage and even dating are because there's been so many changes around the legality of marriage in the U.S. So starting with in 1920, women gained the right to vote. Mm -hmm. Huge. For the first time, women don't have to rely on sentiment to be treated as more than property, which really was, it just kind of depended on your husband, how you were treated. And, you know, if we take a look at men today, I imagine men a hundred years ago, there was quite a few who felt like women were property. Mm -hmm. um, And while traditional gender roles were still widely adhered to at that time, it was an undeniable turning point to have two full citizens within a marriage for the first time. Mm -hmm. Can you believe that was like barely over 100 years ago? Yeah, it's absolutely wild. Yeah. By the late 1960s, state laws forbidding interracial marriage and birth control are dropped, which were also two really fundamental changes in... Mm -hmm marriage rights. And by the 1970s, the law finally recognized the concept of marital rape, which up to that point was Mm -hmm. considered impossible as the husband legally owned his wife's sexuality. Yeah. This is also when women could finally get credit cards in their own names, which particularly opened doors for women in domestic violence situations. So those were huge Mm -hmm. changes to give women rights not even just rights around leaving a toxic or unhealthy or abusive marriage. It was also giving them just the means. options, the means yeah. to get out, which is huge. Yeah, we're decreasing that financial dependency. Mm-hmm. 
And then finally, in 2015, same-sex marriage was legalized in the U.S., followed by the legalization of adoption for same-sex couples in 2016, which was not only a huge win for the LGBTQ plus community, Mm -hmm. but also really challenged those ancient roots of the purpose of marriage, which was initially to use women to procreate. Yeah. So I think for women and the queer community, legalizing same-sex marriage was huge. Yeah. Um, and now I'm at a great place to pause for our break. Yeah. Women behaving badly. Woo! So we interrupt <laughs> this broadcasting for our new segment, Women Behaving Badly, where we talk about naughty women yes. who are up to, up to shit. <laughs> shenanigans. Up to shenanigans. <laughs> and today, of course, <laughs> we have to talk about Gypsy Rose Gypsy Blanchard. Rose. Ooh, 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 ooh. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Oh, wow. Have you watched any of the... Yes. You have? Okay. I watched the Hulu. Yes. Was it a series or a movie? It was a series. I watched the series. Yeah. So disturbing. Yeah. So disturbing. Munchausen by proxy is one of those things. I, my... Yeah. Should we explain it for, for anyone? Yeah. Who's not so if you're not her? familiar with like the Gypsy Rose situation, she was living with her mom growing up. In her mind, she had all of these illnesses. Mm-hmm. She was like in a wheelchair. She was severely disabled, like had tons of medications. Mm-hmm. And she's a kid, obviously. Super so sick. she's like, I'm going to believe my mom. And thought she was dying. And thought she was dying. And it turns out that it is a very, very severe case of Munchausen by proxy. Mm-hmm. She starts to kind of put two and two together as she gets older and Ultimately, I mean, the big shebang is that she ends up kind of getting her boyfriend to kill her mom. Yeah. And her boyfriend was also abusive to her. Yeah. So it's just, it's a, that's the, literally the smallest Sparknotes version I could have done. But Munchausen by proxy is so interesting because there's Munchausens, which is like, you are the one who is saying, I'm sick. I have this thing, often going to doctors a lot to like get treatments that you don't actually need. It's like extreme hypochondria and usually in most cases making yourself sick. Yes, making yourself sick and a lot more for like, I feel like hypochondria is a genuine fear of these things and not that that's not part of Munchausen's, but also Munchausen's is more for like attention. Attention. And for being the needing to be cared for, yes, and needing and to be the center of, yes. of other people's assistance and right. help. So which is Munchausen by proxies, obviously you are doing that, but through somebody else. And often to a child. A child, yes. In this case, Gypsy Rose. Um, and they, I mean, it worked. She got so much attention growing up. Like there was... Yeah, and lots like, of... Fundraisers, gifts, like that kind of thing to support her like daughter's medical expenses. Notably, her mom was killing her. Yes. Through all of the medication and the surgeries. Her mom was Mm -hmm. legitimately killing her. Yeah. And yeah, but it was her boyfriend who killed her mom. Yeah. But she ended up going to to prison because she was part of the yeah, plot. Conspirit- conspiracy. And she was just released. She yes. finished her sentence and was just released. And she's on and- social media. Oh, She's doing a couple of interviews, which those are also incredible. Mm -hmm. Before she even got out, she had like several specials lined up. Mm -hmm. Then she's doing just like podcast interviews, that kind of thing. Her social media presence is just chef's kiss for anyone who hasn't been following her social media presence. She's truly like when she went to jail... I think was 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. We didn't have Instagram. Mm -hmm. 
And specifically, we didn't have Instagram in the way that you'd have to be like PR trained as a celebrity. I also think she may not have grasped how huge of a celebrity she is. Yes. Yeah. And so now she's in this thing where she's just posting little selfie videos being like, she has the tiniest little voice. Hey, guys. And they do that. The actress does that really well in the doc series. It's so good. But most importantly... Someone, so she's married. She Mm -hmm. didn't marry the boyfriend. She Mm -hmm. married a guy who she met while she was in prison. Yeah. And they had this long distance relationship. He would visit her in prison and they got married while she was in prison. Which is also, side note, weirdly common for people to like start getting like fan mail and shit. And then enter into romantic relationships with people who contact them in prison. And they both claim that it's like super genuine. She is still in contact with like her other family. I think Mm -hmm. like her step parents. Or, like, her dad and her stepmom she has a relationship with now. So she's, like, with them. She's with her husband. And her. a lot of people are criticizing her husband, I think, partly because of the way he looks and partly because he, like, married her while she was in jail and everyone's hating on him. Right. Fair enough. Right. In her response, she was, like, I love my baby. I can't remember the exact quote, but she's, like, I love my baby. And the dick is fire. <laughs> I didn't see that one. And the way it was just the perfect amount of, like, I literally don't give a fuck. And also just so detached from the ramifications of making that kind of comment on Instagram when you're so fucking famous. It, I feel like it, like, immediately made everyone love her. Because she was just like, the dick is fire. And then I just saw. And you're like, millions of people are watching you. (laughs) She went on a podcast. Like, she, I think the first podcast she did was that guy who's on The Bachelor, uh, Vale, Vile, whatever his name is. I don't know. Sorry. Sorry, brother. Love you. (laughs) She went on that podcast first with her husband, and then she was on another podcast in their promo video. They both said, the the dick is fire. And I was like, man. Amazing. A celebrity is born. Yeah, truly. But she has the, I will say, in some of the interviews, like the full-length interviews I've watched with her at this point, she has said a lot about, like that she's kind of come to terms that her mom was very mentally ill, but Mm -hmm. also that, like, she would be dead. Yeah. Like, people are very critical that she plotted this murder. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I was being abused by my mom. I was being abused by this boyfriend who killed her. Yeah. And I can't imagine what it's like to process any of that. Mm -hmm. I think she's been in therapy the whole time she's been in jail. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the way she speaks is, like, clearly missed out on some education i think right however she is like knows her shit when it comes to like mental health stuff like the way she was advocating for herself in interviews i was actually really impressed by the way she talked about it Mm -hmm. so big fan yeah big fan big fan and i stand her marriage yeah sure and also her husband is just it's like right before she's getting out of jail and he's like posting a selfie that because they made her instagram account yeah and immediately got like Several million followers. And then everyone is like, it's a fake account. It's a fake account. And he like takes this little selfie video and he's like, hi, this is Gypsy's husband. It is real. We're getting ready for her to get out of jail. (laughs) That's just like. (sighs) Wow. Big fan. What a, what a cultural moment. Yeah. (laughs) To be alive for. (laughs) It is wild. It actually makes me a little furious how many people feel like she should have just let herself die. Right. Then kill her mom. Yeah. 
And it's like, okay, sure. Was murder the only option? Probably not. But also this is someone who has been brought to, like, if you're thinking about as a kid, who you trust as like an official person, like a teacher, a doctor, maybe a police officer. She's been exposed to all of those people and her mom is just consistently manipulating all of them. Yeah. So of course she wouldn't feel comfortable going to them. Mm -mm. Of course she wouldn't feel like she could trust anyone. Yeah. Yeah. To believe her. Yeah, and the, like, what are you gonna like? What what would you do? Yeah, like, especially because she was a minor, and her mom was very controlling. Very controlling. Like, I About I feel like I remember it was hard to. for her to even get out of the house, go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom, yeah. like just basic stuff. That's like, when would she ever have done any of that unless yeah. it was like one person that she was able to see in private? Yeah, you know, who could come see her? Yeah, really. Well, and she also, like, in an interview as an adult, she said something about, like, there's a scene that's depicted in the movie about her where mm-hmm. she goes to the movie theater yeah. to date with her boyfriend and her mom. Mm-hmm. And her mom is sitting next to her and her boyfriend is sitting behind her or something. And her mom is getting obviously agitated that they're talking to each other. Mm-hmm. And she's, like, an older teenager at this point. Yeah. And... Then at one point she goes to the bathroom and her boyfriend follows her and mm-hmm. her mom knows what they're doing. Right. And she says that, like they have sex in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot about like he definitely sexually abused her, mm-hmm. but that her mom seemed aware of it and like let it happen. So lots. And of I wonder just- how much of that is just like a if this per if this guy had been a really good guy if she would have not let it happen. Or, like, if she would have been more like, mm, her mom. Because if it's this, okay, this guy, almost like an idea of, like, he is, I see this abuse, I see this assault, and it's another way for her to remain in control and for me to be the safe place from that. Not yeah. kind of registering that it could ultimately turn against her in the form of, like, murder, her own yeah. death. But I, I, like, if she had found just the sweetest, like, walk to remember level guy... To, that would care for her I know. in a way. I feel like her mom would have cut that shit off immediately. Yeah, and I think that she kept her very isolated from yeah. anyone. Because I remember like there were several medical professionals who kind of caught on. Yeah. And then she would throw a huge fit and take her to a different doctor, stuff like that. Yeah. And it's hard because there are parents who do have to do that for right. their kids who yeah. are right. Mm-hmm. But... In this case, like the what she said in the interview I saw was that she just fell through the cracks of yeah. every system put in place to protect kids yeah. from this happening. Which is, I just, every time we've talked about someone underage, like Tina Resch even, like yeah. that's that's been the case. It's like they were failed by yeah. so many people. Yeah. yeah. And it's hard because like no system is perfect, but it's always the ones we talk about, like you're saying- it's layers and layers mm-hmm. of failure. Yeah. That's just like, how well are these systems actually right. working? Right, yeah. Okay, that's Gypsy Rose. Should we go back to marriage? Sure. Love and marriage. Love and marriage. So now we're going to segue into yeah. <laughs> the second half of this, which is about marriage and happiness. So anyone in their 20s and 30s will tell you that the societal pressures to get married are still very prevalent. Yeah especially for unmarried women. Mm -hmm. And this is often attributed to the cultural ideal that married people are happier than single people. Yeah. But are they? (laughs) According to a variety of research, the short answer is yes. 
But there's a lot to unpack with the research we have access to. Yeah. For example, how do gender roles impact marital happiness? Are same-sex couples happier than hetero couples? Does marriage make people happy? Or are happy people more likely to get married? Mm -hmm. So let's dig in. So let's start with, I have recently seen all over the place this statistic circulating social media claiming that single women are the happiest, followed by married men, which leads us to think that maybe women married to men are left out of these happy, happy, happiness statistics. Yeah. So I did some digging, and this stat actually comes from Paul Dolan, who is a professor of behavioral science at the London School of Economics, and ha- and he is a happiness expert, which I... There's another happiness expert that I quote too. Yeah. I'm like, where do you get that job? Yeah. Oh. Right. It's like Brene Brown is like a what a vulnerability expert or yeah. something. I'm like, you just like get to a certain level in academia and writing where right. you can just label yourself. Yeah. And it's like the most specific thing. Yeah. So according to Paul Dolan's research, women who are single with no children are the happiest. Dolan explains that while men derive benefits from marriage, the same cannot generally be said for women. So it's not all women, but it can't be assumed. Mm-hmm. Um, most notably, Dolan is known for saying, if you're a man, you should probably get married. If you're a woman, don't bother. But it is important to note that he may have misinterpreted some of the data from a phone poll. Mm-hmm. And it's a little hard to like explain exactly what happened. But basically, there was a poorly worded question that may have skewed the results of some of the women polled because there was a word like separate or separated and the intention of the question was that their male partner was in another room in hopes that they would be more honest in their answers but many of the respondents took it as being separated from your spouse Mm -hmm. and then they're rating their happiness levels yeah so it skewed some of the data but he did like he's done a ton of research over his career so it's kind of like a other stuff that backs up the patterns right yeah um however there's other research that shows that women are increasingly viewing singlehood as desirable a study from data analyst mintel indicates that women are more satisfied with being single than men and less likely to seek out a relationship, which I actually think is the opposite of what like cultural norms will tell you. Right. That like all women are, all single women are like desperate for a relationship Mm -hmm. and we're um, less likely than men to want a relationship. And that's my personal experience with like my, the women around me. Mm -hmm. So this in part is because women work harder than their male partners in relationships. And this is not just a bullshit claim. There is data to back it up. Mm -hmm. So according to Professor Emily Grundy of the University of Essex, there's evidence that women spend longer on domestic tasks than men Mm -hmm. and also do more emotional labor. And for modern women, this is often in addition to working full time. So there's really no Mm -hmm. like trade off that used to be in place if women were not working. Mm -hmm. Historically, large studies show that on average, married people report greater happiness later in life than unmarried people. So like old people who are married are often happier than old people who are unmarried, Mm -hmm. which I think partly could be because their spouses died or for other reasons that they're isolated well and we don't yeah we don't have the system we've talked about that before we don't have the systems in place to make sure that single seniors yep have the support community in the community we don't have the systems but we don't have the mindset either yeah that we should be setting ourselves up 
with our own circles to have like a village. And I do think that's a life. very Western yeah. ideal too. Mm-hmm. So separated and divorced people tend to fall into a less happy bucket. <laughs> I disagree. But <laughs> you're like, I'm great. <laughs> While the never married and widowed fall someplace in between, studies also report upticks in happiness in the lead up to weddings and just after, which is known as the honeymoon phase and it is statistically supported. Yeah. And these positive, so the positive effects of marriage, people who say that marriage makes them happier are seen in both men and women statistically. Mm -hmm. But Harvard psychology professor Daniel Gilber claims that marriage doesn't make you happy. Happy marriages makes you happy. Right. If both men and women are claiming to be happier married, does that mean we should entirely dismiss Dolan's critique that marriage doesn't benefit men and women equally? I personally don't think so. Mm -hmm. So according to the New York Times, women in different sex marriages reported the highest levels of psychological distress. Men in same-sex marriages reported the lowest. Mm -hmm. Men married to women and women married to women were somewhere in the middle, recording similar levels of psychological distress. What's striking, says the lead author of the study, Michael Garcia is that earlier research had concluded that women in general were likely to report the most relationship distress, but it turns out that's only women married to men. (laughs) Which I think is so important that they're digging into this research more Mm -hmm. because when you look at women experience more psychological distress in a relationship with mm-hmm. a man or just in a relationship in general mm-hmm. who who are they going to put that on women yeah women are more emotional women are more distressed they women need are more, more upset they're, yeah mm-hmm. they're just never satisfied blah, yeah. blah blah where when you look at this you're saying no it's men yeah <laughs> and it's the gender role because mm-hmm. men who are married to men are the least distressed yeah so it's not like men, it's the gendered role of yeah. male and female marriages. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> there is, I do think there's an element where like, I think women experience all kinds of relationships differently in mm-hmm. a very, ge- I mean, that's a very general, general right. way of looking at things, but that like lesbians would have like that mid-level mm-hmm. of stress, yeah. you know? where they're experiencing about the same as straight men who are married to women Mm -hmm. because you have a female partner. So it's like a similar Mm -hmm. role, but you don't have the gendered roles that you do in a male-female relationship. Mm -hmm. Now, this doesn't mean that marriage is entirely without merit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I understand as a divorced woman, you know, who's criticizing marriage or like really digging into it, that it can come off that way. But I actually don't hate marriage. Yeah. Having a partner and companion to share life with can be deeply gratifying, especially in a society that is increasingly more individualistic and isolated. Mm -hmm. The question for me isn't whether marriage should exist, as it clearly makes so many people happy and fulfilled. Rather, I feel this data suggests that marriage shouldn't be the default. Yes. Um, Very well worded. Good. Good. I love that. Mm -hmm. I feel like I also want to add a clarification that as someone who is perpetually single and wants to be single. I also, like, before we go into this discussion, want to say I don't hate the idea of marriage either. No. I'm sure that will become part of the discussion on a larger scale, but, like, I just feel like for, especially for our married friends and listeners and people who want to get married, like, that's, like, going into this important to know about us. Yeah, and I don't think that, I, in my experience, I don't think anyone who is calling out the the 
problematic nature of a lot of marriages or just marriage as an institution. Right. I don't think anyone is saying like marriage shouldn't exist or that it's not okay to be happy in a marriage or that women can't be happy in a marriage. Mm -hmm. I just think it's often presented as the only option for happiness. Right. And it's not. Yeah. And you can have partnership and life partnership without marriage. I think of it a lot similarly to religion. If you grow up in the church with a specific religion and you start realizing there are problems with it. Yeah. Like there can still be some connection to that mm-hmm. faith. I feel like I still connect to the faith I grew up in, even though I've like fully deconstructed and been like, yeah, wow, there are a lot of issues with that. Yeah. And so then I've really had to start like questioning my own connection to that faith and be like, is this just something that I'm like so connected to because it's like a comfort level? Yeah. Because it's what I'm familiar with. And I feel marriage is very similar in that it's like, is it the actual marriage itself Mm -hmm. that you are like connected to for Mm -hmm. people who like are like wanting to seek marriage? And I think it is important to do the deconstruction that people do with religion with your idea of marriage. Absolutely. Because I can bet that what many of these people want is a committed life partnership and Mm -hmm. not the actual construct of a marriage. Yeah. I remember feeling when I was first going through a divorce that there was this loss of fitting into the norm and mm-hmm. fitting into the expectation of like, I have it all figured out. Mm-hmm. I'm married at 30 and we're going to have two and a half kids and we're going to buy our house and we're financially stable and we have a retirement fund mm-hmm. and like things that as a single woman, I really had to let go of a lot of that like yeah. very quickly in order mm-hmm. to be happy. And so I think, like, I do think that some of the comfort that people experience in marriage is that you're fitting into what's expected of you. And there is a satisfaction in that Mm -hmm. that isn't necessarily good or bad. Right. There's not necessarily morality. But I think it's important to be aware of that Mm -hmm. that might be part of where that's coming from. And I actually think having that awareness can give you a better long-term relationship because you're not just latching on to a person to fit a timeline or to Mm -hmm. fit a social norm. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. you're actually going to be with a partner who you love and genuinely want to be with. Right. Or making yourself miserable in the search for the right person. Right. I've texted a lot of our friends because I really wanted to get a variety of genders, a variety of like places in life, people Mm -hmm. who are single, people who are married, people who are divorced, people who are engaged. You know, I, I really wanted to get a variety of perspectives all people around our age demographic. Mm -hmm. But I also had a lot of people just, I had posted about it on Instagram and a lot Mm -hmm. of people just messaged me who I hadn't like directly asked. And one person that I I wasn't able to include just for time's sake, she was engaged and saying that she was getting married because there are still so many legal ramifications Mm -hmm. of getting married where if you have a long-term partner and you own a home together or something, Mm -hmm. or one of you owns a home or one of you is injured. Like you have so few rights to anything. Mm -hmm. And I remember like I lived with my ex for three years before we were married. And Mm -hmm. I remember thinking about that. Like if he were to die, (laughs) I have no rights to anything. Like Mm -hmm. I would have to go through his parents and I get why people get married just for that. Like if you're going to be in a long-term relationship, I get why people do it for that reason too. Yeah. I'm sure we'll talk about it more, but I really do think the separation of marriage as a legal thing and mm-hmm. and partnership it needs to be I have a great quote. A much better. It a made much me bigger cry. part of the conversation. It made me cry. I can't wait the to quote hear it. I have. You're gonna love it. Okay. 
Okay, so I have started with two of our married friends. Okay. Um, one female, one male. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm going to keep all of these anonymous. I'm sure some people wouldn't mind, but I just didn't go through and ask everyone. And yeah. There's some very like personal mm-hmm. things shared here, so I'm going to keep them all anonymous, but I do appreciate everyone who texted me back like mm-hmm. very I was crying today just like very long voice memos and text messages that mm-hmm. they had really thought through yeah some Im- important things so female married 30 <laughs> I can get hetero the- yes hetero married to a man um she said I think the pressure to have kids is at the forefront of my mind right now so she got married recently mm-hmm. she said even before we got married people always want to know when you're going to have kids you're getting old should you freeze your eggs a question my mom literally asked me in December she said um I also feel the societal pressure to buy a house like that's the next logical step after marriage it just feels like existing in a loving relationship isn't enough anymore and you have to come with all these milestones Mm -hmm. Um, but on the positive side, I feel like marriage has been such a wonderful thing in my life and I don't take having a loving partner for granted at all. After many years of singlehood, it took me a long time to feel safe and that my partner would know, would love me no matter what. And that if we had a fight, it didn't mean our relationship was over. So she like, I think really showed both ends of it, Mm -hmm. but I do relate a lot to the pressure of like, even if you hit one milestone, it's never ending. Yeah. It's not enough. It's always like, you have to buy a house. You have to have kids. You have to have Mm -hmm. all these X, Y, Z. And it's just maddening. You'll never, who is that benefiting? Mm -mm. Because you are not necessarily even going to be happy when you reach them. Right. So I, and I felt this pressure a lot when I was, I mean, I got married pretty young. I feel like that caught in the milestone thing Mm -hmm. it's like it's kind of what we were talking about with new year's resolutions yeah where it's like you're never satisfied with what you have Mm -hmm. it's always like you hit one and then you're on to the next yeah and i do think it's a lot from like families obviously it's like media it's everyone is saying this but i do think there's a lot of family pressure it's like okay well when are you having kids right everyone shut up Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know Um, And then one of our male friends who is married said marriage is, and he's been married for several years. He's also 30, married to a woman. Okay, good. He said marriage is work. It only works out when both people want to put in effort. It's also about supporting people when they need it. My wife is in a tough part of life and I'm here for her. At some point in the future, although she has supported me in the past already, I may need more support from her. So I think like that was a very like that reciprocal nature of Mm -hmm. marriage with like longevity yeah of like through phases of life you have this support system I think is what most people are looking for when they seek out getting married Mm -hmm. but I think very often doesn't look like that yeah I also I think like we've talked a lot about how that like really deep genuine support and like reciprocation over years and years and years is something we could extend to more relationships, more types of relationships. Mm-hmm. Like it's such an expectation in a marriage, but not in friendships. Right. You know, it's something yeah. that you can get from other relationships as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Okay. Now I have two quotes from our engaged friends. Yes. Um, and the one, this is one of the ones that really got to me, I, which I've paraphrased. She sent me like 20 minutes of voice memos. <laughs> so I've paraphrased, but she started with the negatives, her like negative perspectives on marriage and a little background is like she was single for a really long time. Really long time. And for most of both of our friendships with her, she was single and is now engaged to mm-hmm. just like a very lovely, lovely man. Yes. Also 30 engaged to a man. Yeah. 
So she says the negatives. There are a lot of men, especially traditional Christian men, who still use marriage as a means to control women. Mm -hmm. As women, we're taught that sexuality is bad until we get married. Then you can have sex as much as you want. But what they really mean is that your husband should have the right to your body. This is portrayed as being transactional because men are traditionally breadwinners. But what about when women are the breadwinner? Is that role reversed? Zing. Yeah. And she actually sent me a screenshot of a a tweet, like, thread Mm -hmm. where someone had posted about this issue of, like, it's wild how many people still think you owe your husband sex and that's your role as his wife. Mm -hmm. And the comments about, well, he's the breadwinner. He's working all day. Don't you want to give him sex? Like, this narrative that he'll cheat on you if you don't and that that's, like, kind of, you deserve it. Yeah. And the men just jumped in. Well, don't you want to give him sex? Don't you want to do this for him? And she was like, just an FYI, I'm the breadwinner. And this wasn't our friend. This was like a random person Mm -hmm. on Twitter. She's like, just an FYI, I'm the breadwinner. Do you feel the same way that my husband owes me sex because I'm making the money? I bet they shut right up. Yeah. So, yuck. Yeah, yuck. And it is, I think, like... I hate that narrative. Yeah. Yeah. I just the idea of sex as like like an offering, a gift. Like a transactional a transaction. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like something that women should be giving their husbands and not an experience that couples should share together that yeah. is mutually beneficial. I and agree. I think there are definitely some times where it's like there are relationships where one is Feeling it, but not really. And the other one is. And there's going to be times where, like, the desire for sex in that moment is mismatched. And that's fine. That's totally different than, like, what is the expectation about who this is for? Yeah. I also think, like, like trad wives are, like, the whole Mm -hmm. thing. I'm sorry. A woman who isn't working and is raising kids at home and doing 100% of the housework is still working. (laughs) is working just as hard, if not harder, than a man with a full-time job. Right. Yeah. Like, a hundred percent. I would rather, and I know, like, now that women have options, talk to a room full of working moms. They're like, I work because this is easier. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Mm because I enjoy this more. When Mm -hmm. I go home to my kids and I have three kids all needing things from me, Mm -hmm. that's way harder. Yeah. You know? You can tell your boss... Sometimes, you know, hopefully I don't have the bandwidth for this. You can't tell your kid, I don't have the bandwidth to feed you today. Well, and it's just a different like use of your brain. And yeah, like I think when you're with kids, it can be they're very loud, for example. Yeah. Overstimulating. If you have several kids, it can be uh, really overstimulating and you're trying to get all this shit done to take care of them. Right. It can be really, really difficult. And especially Mm -hmm. like the psychological aspect of like trying to raise them and handle Mm -hmm. every situation in a way that's helping their development. Yeah. Like it's a lot. And I think like that idea that that's somehow not a job. Yeah. Is a huge just disservice. Right. If men were traditionally the ones raising kids, they would see, they would be like, oh, what a privilege that women get to go work. Yeah. Yeah. Away from the home. Yeah. Okay. The second part of this friend's quote was the positive. So she's newly engaged. Probably one of my favorite couples that I know, to be honest. And I thought this was not what I was expecting her to say because she is like, they're so sweetly in love with each other and just have like the most... And like best friends. 
best friends and they just have like the best things to say about each other. I rarely ever hear either of them say anything even remotely negative about yeah. the other one. And if it is, it's because there was like a... Oh, Dumb. you know, we had a conflict about this and then there's always something like, but here's this good thing, you yeah, know, like, like they just genuinely, I feel like they're an example of like people who met their partner a little later mm-hmm. and just are so well matched for each other. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> love you guys. You know who you are. Yeah. Um, And she said the positives, mm-hmm. you cannot ignore the legalities of marriage. If marriage was solely about love, there wouldn't be paperwork involved. Yeah. Many women go into marriage without thinking about it and then sign their financial independence away through your credit score or shared debt. Signing a prenup doesn't mean you're going into marriage with the intention of getting divorced. Modern marriage, for me, is very rooted in love and partnership. My fi- my fiancé is my family, my partner, my companion. We want to go through every phase of life together and having those difficult conversation conversations only deepens our bond. While the financial side of that isn't sexy, having a common goal is something special that we share. So many people have died for the right to get married and fought so hard for it. It doesn't make sense to exclude the legality of it from the love piece. And I have just never heard anyone talk about it in that way. Mm -hmm. To be like, just so recently, same-sex marriage was legalized. Yeah. And that was such a huge, like, think about how hard people fought for the legal right to marry. Yeah. But then if you talk about it when Mm -hmm. you're getting married, it's like, well, you're you're taking away from the love and the symbolism and like all this stuff. And why would you think about it in that way? And it's like, because that's what it is. And that part can be beautiful based on how you approach it with your partner. Yes. Yes. Like I feel like it can start. I had an old coworker just be flabbergasted that I said, I think everybody should get a prenup. Everyone no should get a what? Take it and from a like, divorce well, you're girl. Just starting it out, starting out with blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, like there's the scary negative side of that where it's like, they could literally become a different person. They could already be a different person than they're, what they're projecting. They could cheat. They mm-hmm. could hit their head and like have like become violent. Like there are so many things that you cannot plan for. And even if you are convinced that you have the best intuition to be able to tell that that person is someone you want to be yeah. with forever, one, people change and grow in different directions. Yeah. And two, your intuition, like, I'm pretty sure most people who have, I feel like you could say this like some too, because you were at this point where it's like, man, I see so much I didn't necessarily see at the time. Yeah. Like even the most intuitive people I know, like you, the wool is pulled over their eyes on some things because people are good at hiding from their partners and from themselves. And And when they're hiding from themselves too, like that makes them extra good. But also you want to see the good in people when you're in love. Like I think people really underestimate how much you give people, Mm -hmm. how much you love generously when you're in love, where you really give people the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. You want to see the good in them. And Mm -hmm. like, you know, I definitely love people in that way. And I think it can be a good quality but Mm -hmm. you know there is downside to it i think prenups i would never combine finances with a future partner and i would a hundred percent of the time have a prenup if i were to remarry prenups i think have a bad reputation for being like cutting someone off from your finances or i don't want them to have anything if we if we get divorced yeah prenups can be very generous yes 
And if one person Here's is, what I want to make sure you go with if I die exactly. or if and we you're do And you're deciding split up. those things when you're in love with each other. Yeah. What does the best of you want for each other if things mm-hmm. don't work out? And the thing is, like, going through a divorce is so difficult. Yeah. And even just, like, the things, like, I didn't have a prenup. I, you know, won't go into. <laughs> we had a uncontested divorce, and I won't go into the details of that, but I definitely have regrets of what I did and didn't ask for. Mm-hmm. And I think when you're, I was in a headspace when we were separating that was like, oh, I just don't even care. I'm exhausted. I don't even care. Like, what does it matter? A year has passed and I'm like, I deserved X, Y, Z that I should have asked for at the time and didn't. Mm-hmm. And I think like sometimes having a prenup It's taking that off the plate of your future self, even if you never get divorced. Mm -hmm. It just is saying we're going to approach any stage of our relationship with love and Mm -hmm. a level head. Yeah. And they're even the best people and Mm -hmm. the most civil divorces. It's really hard to make those decisions in the moment. Yeah. And so I think like having an agreement ahead of time when you really love each other and are able to think through it in that way and come to agreements that that really in the long term benefit both of you. I think that's one of the most loving things you can do for another right. person is say, yeah. hey, while we love each other, this is what I would want you to have if things don't work out. Yeah. <sighs> but I loved the way I loved that she brought up like people have literally died for the right to get married. Yeah. And why are we so like weird mm-hmm. to talk about that it's a legal agreement? Right. It's a legal document. Mm-hmm. Okay, another engaged friend. This is an interesting one because she had been engaged previously to a different person. Mm-hmm. She said, I think societal pressures to some degree contributed a bit to me overlooking or putting up with things that I shouldn't have in my last engagement. When I got engaged, it was during a time when even a lot of girls younger than me were getting engaged and I felt a sense of this is what I am supposed to do, like an obligation almost. Mm-hmm. I also was starting to acknowledge that I did want kids one day and the idea of my parents getting older and COVID and everything that year I think gave me this weird sense of urgency. All of it seems dumb in hindsight but if there's one good thing that came out of it I feel like I had a very firm resolve after that I would rather adopt, purchase sperm, etc. than raise a child with someone I didn't trust or someone that actively made my life harder and that's something I have really considered in my current relationship. Yeah. We have talked about this a lot because we have a couple of friends who are single and really want kids. Yeah. And I think do it. Being open to like non-traditional, non-traditional ways, ways of to, having kids yeah. can I think lead to like the best outcome. Yeah. I think one of my like my fifth grade teacher has a daughter who did I think my mom said she's partnered now, but like I think at least she has at least one child who she did when she was who she did, who she, she had, had yeah. when she was single through like artificial insemination. Yeah. yeah. We also worked with a woman. IVF. Who um, intentionally had a child alone. And she really advocates for that and talked to me a lot about it when I was going through a divorce mm-hmm. about like, hey, there's so many ways to be a happy parent. Mm-hmm. There's so many ways to have c- community and have like a village to raise your mm-hmm. kid with. And I think that can prevent you from having kids with the wrong people, (laughs) you know. Okay, moving on to our single friends. Mm -hmm. So this is one of our male single friends. And I was, he he sent me his response at the last minute, (laughs) like 
<laughs> that sounded negative. <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> but I was really hoping he would respond because when I was doing some of my research, like obviously there's huge differences between Western culture and Eastern culture. Mm -hmm. And he was raised in like more Eastern culture. So, okay, his quote. I think when it comes to marriage and divorce, my views on this have definitely been colored by my cultural influences and my parents. Marriage has definitely been encouraged for me, especially as I get older, and it seems as though many people in my family view it as the logical next step in life. Personally, I don't see it as a necessity and would only do it with the right person. Divorce to me is normal and should be utilized when two people no longer see their lives together better than if they went their separate ways. But growing up, divorce was definitely something that was considered taboo in my community. I think if my parents were from a different culture, they probably would have gotten divorced, but they do not see it as an option. And sometimes I think that's good, but other times I wonder how their lives and my life would have been different had they pursued that option. Mm -hmm. Currently, I am single and quite happy and content and would not pursue a relationship if I didn't think it would make my life better than it already is now. Mm -hmm. And I love that take on yeah, divorce. Yeah, I mean, I remember, I, I like, obviously, I grew up in the church, so of course, divorce was, like, a big no-no in mm -hmm. my head. Yeah. And I remember my parents saying, divorce is not an option for us. We yeah. would not consider it. Yeah. But I got lucky because they're obsessed with each other. Yeah. And they have a good relationship. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people who are in these happy relationships can be re the biggest supporters of divorce is not an option when it's, like, yeah, says you. Not, mm. No offense to my parents. Love you, mom. Love you, dad. But yeah. I think that the people who are the happiest, particularly within religious marriages, but are still very happy are the ones who are the most staunchly anti-divorce because they got lucky. Yeah. I mean, I feel that with so many things. You know, there's so many people who can say, what do you mean? Like cleaning the dishes is hard. It's not just do it. And it's like, you don't, you got lucky and you don't have depression. Yeah. You know, like I, there's this constant theme in everything. I feel like where your situation, your experience, people feel like it applies to everybody else. Yeah. And when it comes down to it, you know, a lot of those people, it's like they hear about a certain situation. They're like, well, yeah, clearly divorce should have happened in that situation. Right. But I also like there's a like root to what you're saying that I like remember so much from growing up in the church. And it's mm -hmm. that people often attribute the success of those happy marriages to the fact that they don't consider divorce. Yes. But it's not usually the reason they're happy. You right. know, it's, it's just... What's that? <laughs> ca ca we know words. Come on. <laughs> causation is not... Correlation? Correlation is not causation. Yeah, you got it. Thank you. God, that word was a hard, <laughs> a hard thing for me. Yeah, I think... I mean, I am a year into a divorce. Right. And there were several stages of that that I also think are private that I won't go into. But mm -hmm. I think during one particular season of my divorce where I was very confused about things, one of the things that was really grounding for me was to repeat to myself that a successful marriage can end in divorce. Yes. And that sometimes divorce is the most loving thing you can do. Yes. For yourself and a partner. Mm -hmm. and, and in my case, have them. I feel that way. Like I, mm -hmm. I'm kind of in a weird, also a weird phase of divorce mm -hmm. right now where I'm processing a lot of like very difficult things. But it, at the end of the day, I spent 10 years of my life with this person. Yeah. I will always love him. Mm -hmm. I will always want him to be happy. 
and have good things in his life, I will always appreciate the time we spend together. And mm-hmm. I think like at the same time, we should not be together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. in no world should we be together Mm -hmm. and it was the best thing we could do for ourselves and each other to get a divorce and I think I I, I don't align with the idea that divorce is a failed marriage I think Mm -hmm. sometimes it can be the most successful way your marriage could could turn out right so that's my two cents on that Mm -hmm. okay this one made me cry (laughs) Uh oh (laughs) so this is um one of our female friends who is in her later 30s and is single. She said, Growing up in Oklahoma, there's so much expectation to be married young and start popping out babies. I grew up in a very evangelical Christian world. We did an entire semester of Bible school on marriage and family. Mm -hmm. I knew that was never the path for me. I remember being 10 and thinking I needed a career and the ability to take care of myself. That was so adverse to everything I was being indoctrinated into. I remember my 34th birthday was really hard because I felt like a failure. I had missed all of the milestones and expectations like marriage, a house, and kids. I turned 39 in a couple of weeks. Now I'm so happy at the place my life is in. 90% of the time I'm fine with being on my own. 10% of the time I would love a partner and someone to help do chores or comfort me at the end of a shitty day. But I have not met a person that has impressed me enough to let them fit into my life. People think that sounds really shitty, but I'm open to a relationship if I met someone who made me feel safe. There's a theory that men aren't competing against each other anymore. They're competing against a woman's peace. We're not looking for those... (laughs) Yep, got me too. (laughs) We're not looking for those long-term committed relationships because we gain so much from our female friendships. We have that support system from our girlfriends. <laughs> and she, she yeah, I know that was obviously. <laughs> she also sent me like this was paraphrased from a ten minute voice note. Yeah, <laughs> also, and she really, I just love her, and she yeah. is one of our friends who is about ten years older than us, mm-hmm. and I think has really worked hard for like the positivity she has around her life as it is. Yeah, and like the perspective she has, and like the acknowledgement that ten percent of the time. This is really hard. Mm -hmm. And also I built a community for myself that does all of the things I would need from a romantic relationship. And she also mentioned, I didn't include it in her direct quote, but she also mentioned like she recently had surgery. Yeah. And you were one of the people who went to Mm -hmm. her house and helped her and like that she has that support from other relationships. She's been, I think, a really... All my friends are special, obviously, yeah. but she's been, I think, really special friend to me because I feel like it's the first time I've really had a friend who was a little bit older than me, yeah. who was in the similar kind of mindset as me. Yes. The like, I'm not like, I'm not closed off to the idea of a relationship, but it would take a lot for me to feel like, okay, yeah. this is something I want. And I think there's something really, I wish more women had someone who was like five, 10 years older than them. Like an example. To see, okay, at least I know in five years, I'll still be okay. Yeah. You know? Especially right at 30. Like we're right at 30 where I think it's very, I I get caught in a loop Mm -hmm. of like, well, I'm really happy with my life right now. Yeah. Is this still going to feel like enough 10 years from now? And I think having a friend who is in that phase of life. Yeah. 
and, and you're like, still if I end up I there, yes. yes. If I, I end up there, if that's still me at that age, I can be happy and yeah. good and settled. And yeah. I also think I appreciate her perspective so much more because she was raised in a similar community to us where mm-hmm. marriage is the default. Yeah. And very much so encouraged and being mm-hmm. single at 40 is not yeah. acceptable. Mm-mm. So I think like I appreciate how much effort I know it took for her to feel the way she does now yeah it's not like she's just it's not easy that way or like her her family raised her that way or anything Mm -hmm. it was like she really had to work for that and Mm -hmm. i just respect her so much yeah and also appreciate like her as kind of a guiding light yeah yeah okay another one of our single friends said um i've noticed most recently that men feel like they need to be accomplished and successful in their careers in order to be ready for a relationship and if the woman is more successful than them, it becomes intimidating. She said, it's hot at first, but eventually they start to feel the internalized societal pre- societal pressure to provide and lead, which then causes them to get intimidated and want to step away to figure themselves out before committing to a relationship. So it's less pressure on me, but more that by breaking the standard, men who haven't reached this level are triggered by their societal pressures. Yeah. Which is, I think, true. Yeah. Oh, I remember that one time, like, someone recorded or posted about how they were in an airport and this girl was talking to her boyfriend and her boyfriend was like, don't take the raise, you'll be making more than me. And she, they, and, you know, it's one of those things where it's like things that didn't happen. You know, there's a potential it wasn't even a real thing, but even if it didn't actually happen in that way where she was like, then we're done. Like, I'm going to take this promotion. I still think that that is not an unrealistic type of scenario where men in hetero relationships can feel so threatened by the woman's success that, yeah, I think started out as, oh, you're attractive, you're ambitious, you work Mm -hmm. hard, you're a girl boss. Like everybody, you know, all the straight men want to love that. In theory, I think especially this is particularly common among liberal men who are like, yeah, I support women and their freedom and their ambition and their yeah, independence. I love a woman who makes more money. Than and me. it's hiding a lot of stuff that's like you have not actually I like deconstructed agree. these thoughts. Like conservative men aren't hiding it. Yeah. <laughs> You're trying to hide it from yourself yes. just as much. I think you have delusionally kind of I think many liberal feminist men have kind of convinced themselves that because in theory they believe women should have the right to work, they equal pay, access to abortion, all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. because they believe that on paper, that when it comes to their actual life, they're going to be able to live that out. Yeah. And it that's really when all of the kind of hidden, sneaky indoctrination comes yeah. through when it's like, well, now you actually have to live with this. Yes. And like act out, act on these beliefs that you say you have. Yeah. And that's a lot harder. I felt I have had two different relationships that I felt like I got the sneaky lib. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the first was long term. And I felt like he would always say, oh, I love that you make more money than me. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, yeah, because you're benefiting from it. Right. And also you still expect me to do more of the housework, mm-hmm. more of the at home responsibilities and not complain about it. Because a a boss, a hardworking, high achieving woman can mm-hmm. do it all. Yeah, and like you know, we didn't have kids. It wasn't mm-hmm. like I had like 
like I feel most often this hurts working moms. Yeah. But even just for like taking care of my house and my dogs and my responsibilities, Mm -hmm. I felt so often like he had this expectation that I needed to work my ass off at work, provide financially. Like there was a brief period of time where I made less money than him and I never heard the end of it. Yeah. And it was like, well, now you need to be doing everything around the house. And it's like, bitch, I already am. Like what? Because you make a special dinner once a month. That's like a nice thing. Yeah. That's not pulling your weight around our home. Right. Anyways, that's a little bit of shit talk, which you know I love to drop at the end of episodes. Yes. But I was always really frustrated by that. And then mm-hmm. I recently like casually dated someone I was making a lot more money than, than because he was unemployed. unemployed. Um, oh, it's good. <laughs> and I felt like he he would also say that, oh, I love that you're, you know, whatever, you work hard and, you know, whatever. It means I can eat your groceries. He's <laughs> fucking at my house eating my food anytime we go out he's using it as like I would be like hey do you want to get dinner and he would be like oh well I don't have the funds so you have to pay for it and it's like well I want to go out to dinner and I can afford it so like I'm not going to miss out on that because the person I'm dating is unemployed yeah but it was this very like latent you know kind of like he was just a moocher yeah unemployed by his by choice by choice, unemployed yeah. by choice. Not like a in a destitute situation where he can't find a job, just was not looking kind of mature. Well, he wouldn't say otherwise. Yeah. Well, he would be wrong because he had that <laughs> pew, 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 victim mindset. <laughs> 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 victim mindset. <laughs> wow. We need to make that a sound. Yeah. (laughs) So when we're doing our stories, we can hit a button. One day when we make it big, we're going to have like a dash with buttons. Yeah. (laughs) Like all the big podcasters have that. Yeah. Okay. Finally, I have a quote from one of our recently divorced friends. She has been a huge support system to me because we've been going through divorces at the same Mm -hmm. time. And Mm -hmm. she's just been someone that I can, I feel like there are conversations we have where it's like, it's just such a unique experience having someone who really is like, man, I'm in the same place or I'm a mm-hmm. couple months behind you is is very comforting. Mm-hmm. I recommend when you're divorced, even like I have the most supportive single and married friends, right. like as I've been going through this. Mm-hmm. But even if you have a great support system, get at least one person who's going through a divorce or who has recently gone through a divorce. It's very helpful. Yeah. Okay. So this friend said, as someone recently separated and pursuing divorce and single for the first time in 10 years, it's never been more apparent to me how isolating our society is. When you don't have the built-in emotional, logistical, and financial support of a husband, even if you are the breadwinner, which she was, life feels almost prohibitively difficult. Romantic love is still very much something I want out of life, but I want it to be the cherry on top of a fulfilling community-centered life, not the epicenter of it. But it's really hard when that wish goes against the grain of our individualistic society. And I've talked to her a lot about this recently Mm -hmm. where she doesn't have the same kind of community built in that we have. And it's made it really, really Mm -hmm. difficult. And I think even if you're not going through a divorce, I think that's why we talk so much about friendship. Because when you're single, like you need, everyone needs community. I don't care what your relationship status Mm -hmm. status is. Everyone needs like a supportive community. And, Mm -hmm. but when you're alone, that's way harder. Yeah. So my first question is, how do you think social media has changed societal pressures around marriage? (laughs) I mean, I feel like it has to be picture perfect. 
And I feel like, but I also at the same time feel like people are expected to post the obligatory marriage is hard. It's not as easy as it looks when they've been posting the whole year, all the easy stuff. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, there's that running joke where it's like, well, the ones who end up saying a marriage is work post is like, your marriage is going downhill. Clearly. Like we know that. Yeah. It's aestheticized marriage, family, and being moms and dads and parents. And I think that that is really dangerous for marriages, but also really, which would be a whole other discussion, really dangerous for kids of those marriages. I feel like even just the pressure to share personal things, but also seeing very warped perceptions of personal Mm -hmm. things all the time can really like fuck up your perspective of your relationship mm-hmm. while you're in it where yeah. it's like oh well so and so said you're just hearing all, like this huge feedback loop about like what a marriage should look like yeah what people are doing and and i th- one thing i thought was really uh interesting having been married is that you're getting fed different al- algorithms yeah so they're probably also getting some love sex relationship parenting mm-hmm. whatever stuff on their social media that's mm-hmm. different than yours yeah and So there's a sense on social media where you're being fed what validates what you already think, in Mm -hmm. a sense. And so I think that can be a little uh, disorienting in a relationship. However, I will say I think women having a venue to talk very openly Mm -hmm. to say, for example, I have a friend who had a a baby. I mentioned this to you earlier today. She Mm -hmm. had a baby and she was saying, oh, I just gave birth and my husband, who I love is like leaving dishes out. Yeah. I'm having to wake up in the morning and there's beer bottles out, which maybe before you have a baby isn't a huge deal. Right. Like, oh, we're just going to clean up the house really quick. Right. But you're exhausted. You're breastfeeding throughout the night or nursing throughout the night. It's and so simple to just throw them away. To just throw, pull your weight a little more. Yeah. And, that, uh, and I think that idea that like men don't adjust as immediately when mm-hmm. you're new parents to pulling their weight, and it's not everyone obviously, but mm-hmm. I think women having a place to say, oh, this is happening to me too and it also is making me upset and I don't know how to talk about it. I feel like that is a good thing. I think women in specifically are have much more of a platform to discuss inequalities mm-hmm. that are not just your partner. Yeah. They're systemic. Yeah. I do think they're the one kind of downside to that is I uh, it feels like everything becomes a competition. Yes. If you're someone who wants to get married and you end up on the side of t- TikTok that's like, hey, like it's okay to be single. It's okay to not be in a relationship, blah, yeah. blah, blah. There's a good, I think a good portion, like you just said, where it's like, okay, a lot of women can learn and discuss how to yeah. be in more healthy relationships, how to stand up for themselves, what to look for in a good relationship, etc. I think it can also lean so far to where those people, if you're on the wrong side of the algorithm, feel threatened by that. Yeah. And then it comes, like we joke about trad wives and stuff, but I think the trad wife thing was a little bit of a reaction to a lot of women on social media talking about how good it is to not be married, how fun it is to be single. And so people who then have the other lifestyle or want the other lifestyle, they see that and they're like, well, that must mean that they think that what I want in life or have in life is bad. Is bad. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, then it this content have just to be isn't either for or. you. Yeah. Yeah. And it really becomes this 
a, like a fight when it's like there's this content in particular is out there so that everybody finds something that they can relate to and yeah. benefit from. Not because it's going to, it's supposed to threaten your yeah. life. And I think so often you're happiest in whatever lifestyle, relationship, whatever that is right for you. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes it can, can it can get confusing what is right for me mm-hmm. when you're seeing what's right for everyone else. Right. Or sometimes what they're saying is right for them, but they're mm-hmm. actually miserable. Yeah. And that can get very confusing. Mm-hmm. I also, this is a very specific thing, <laughs> but like to this day, the most successful social media posts I have ever had were when I got engaged. Yeah. And my wedding photos. Yeah. And I will say the whole time I was in a relationship, every single post I posted with my partner did got more likes and more comments than any post by myself. Mm-hmm. And there's something that does to your brain that like, oh, I'm worth more to people with my partner than I am alone. Yeah. Or like people say that about when they announce that they're pregnant. Yeah. That those are. And it's like. Sure, it's a milestone. Sure, people are happy for you. But it does something psychologically where it's like just me Mm -hmm. and the things I like and the things I just want to post about that are just mine Mm -hmm. isn't enough for people. I have to be with this person. Mm -hmm. I have to be checking these boxes. And that's what people are wanting and expecting from me. And it's validating that thought process when, when you're literally having people like those things. Yeah. And I think that... Exactly that is what starts to frustrate me when there is the the backlash to the backlash. Mm-hmm. Many women are talking about being single. Many women are talking about not following traditional roles. I feel like people on the other side, like who do want that or have that can, like I mentioned, can feel threatened and say we're going too far in that direction. But when the evidence, when the likes when the views, yeah. when all these markers of social approval show that the that the world around us is more approving and accepting of you being married, yeah, okay, I understand that that's not like not marriage or singlehood, divorce, whatever isn't for everybody. It's the what aboutism that I think there are obviously some very important things to be said about like, we don't want to shame women who want marriages or who want kids no. in traditional lifestyles at all. But I think we get to this point where we forget why we're talking about this. <laughs> and it's because the majority of our culture thinks you should be married and have kids. Yeah. That's why it's being spoken about in the way it is. Yeah. And I, I think that goes for a lot of different movements in general. I feel like I've seen a lot in like the body neutrality and body positivity movement and like thinner people kind of hijacking that movement. It's like, yeah, you should also feel like you like aren't like skinny people can feel self-conscious. Yeah. I can feel self-conscious. Yeah. My voice is not needed necessarily in the body positivity movement because that was like literally for yeah. fat people. Yeah. And I don't need to go and kind of like add my voice to that mix because that just, it just wasn't for me. I also think like I, and I know you feel this way too, like I completely support trad wives. And I also yeah. think there's a segment of really feminist women who are single or who are working who are like, man, that sounds nice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and we say that all the time. Yeah. But I think the one thing that makes me angry mm-hmm. about 
specifically not people being traditional wives right it's specifically the social media private presence of this is the best way this is what women are supposed to be doing yeah because it's coming from this place often of see you're working and then your kids are suffering you can't you can't keep up with your chores it's so hard that's because you weren't meant to do that yeah instead of listening to there is a different model and if husbands or partners mm-hmm. were splitting things more evenly mm-hmm. women could do whatever they wanted mm-hmm. without it being so hard mm-hmm. it's that women are doing everything now mm-hmm. and i think that voice of it's hard because you can't it's yeah. hard because you're not supposed to do that mm-hmm. it just negates all of this effort to be like no that's not it's hard because it's hard because of the gender roles yeah. in relationships and it's hard because men aren't doing and that's yeah. why they're happier mm-hmm. married to women yeah <laughs> because someone's they're doing not having to do it all half of a job or like a job that they should be doing at least half of <laughs> the whole time i was married <laughs> This is terrible. The whole time I was married, the one thing I most like commonly jokingly said and Mm -hmm. thought was, man, I would love to have a wife. Mm -hmm. This is, this must be so nice to come home from work. Like I've also been working all day. That must be so nice to come home and have dinner 75% done. Yeah. And like on the table, which like, you know, it's not like I was doing that because it was like, oh, I'm doing this for my husband. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm cooking for myself and you're also there, but it's like, That must be nice. Yeah. It must be nice to like never have to think, oh, I need to go grocery shopping today. Yeah. Whatever. I won't get into all that. But it, it it was like, I always was like, man, it must be nice to have a wife. Yeah. Cleaning up things. Even just like mm-hmm. the, I, ha- I have had men just make fun of me for decorating. And it's like, right. But now we have the coziest, cutest, sweetest little home. And I made it that way. Yeah. Anyways, next question. Let's talk about briefly. The wedding industry, marriage as a commodity, thoughts, feelings. I mean, the average wedding. I think it's insane. I think it's turned into a lot of optics. I feel like weddings, when they're done well, it's more of a celebration with your people. And I think that's beautiful and lovely. But I do think a lot of it is optics, especially when we like, like we just talked about how it was like a, how they passed off this person like livestock, like, Mm -hmm. and the origin of bridesmaids, I think is pretty shady too. Like it's the romanticize, all of this, all of this is the romanticization of traditions, practices, systems that were intended originally to harm women. Think about like the garter toss tradition the father-daughter dance tradition mm-hmm. where that comes from, your dad walking you down the aisle. Yeah. Bridesmaids. Like, yeah. those things yeah. originated in really, really harmful right. ways. Yes. And I can understand people taking back those traditions and giving them new meaning. And I think mm-hmm. that's fine. Yeah, to you an can enjoy them. Uh, there's no way to make a garter toss not yeah, that's weird. the root of a garter toss. I hate the garter yeah. thing. But- there are so many traditions you can give new meaning. Having planned a wedding and then briefly working in the wedding industry, I am not kidding you. I would never have a wedding ever again. Yeah. I hated planning it. Mm-hmm. The upcharge when you say something's for a wedding is criminal. Yeah. Was my wedding day fun? Sure. Did I love my wedding? Sure. 
did I feel in the moment like it was worth the stress of a year of my life having to be a bride and plan a wedding and have the perfect thing and Mm -hmm. everyone's opinions like even down to like I remember I always wear my hair down I wanted to wear my hair down on my wedding every single person I knew was like you can't do you can't have your hair all down you can't have you can't and I was like okay and I did it half up and I hated it yeah or like, oh, you can't do your own makeup on your wedding. And I got my makeup done and hated it. I didn't even feel like myself. It was just kind of like bullshit, yeah. you know? And I don't think it's because I was marrying the wrong person. It's because it's a very just like, what is even the point of all of this? Right. And I've been to beautiful weddings with huge budgets sure. that were magical and lovely and about the right things. Right. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like, is there a way to plan a $100,000 wedding that's about the right things? Yeah. It's something to think about. I don't feel strongly yes or no, but it Mm -hmm. is something to think about when you're planning your wedding. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just like a lot of this, like it is okay to enjoy these things. Yeah. I think people need to question more often, are they actually enjoying it? Because I feel like people kind of look at a surface level excitement for a milestone. Mm -hmm. It's like, are you just excited to have this milestone to say you did it? Or are you genuinely excited for the thing, for the marriage, for the wedding? Or the number of people who are like, oh, because you dreamed about, I'm like, I never once thought about what kind of wedding dress I was going to wear ever. I did all the time. And it was so dumb. I put zero (laughs) thoughts into my wedding, which is why it was so stressful when I got to it. Because I was like, I don't care. The most, the thing I said most often through the wedding planning process, and I think it drove my mom absolutely insane. Because she was like, what kind of flowers do you want? I was like, I literally could not care less. Yeah. I remember my mom was so upset about the dessert table. And I was like, I literally don't care if there is a dessert table. Like you can just bring it out from the kitchen. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Like I really didn't. I I just was like, I don't care. There were a couple Mm of things where I was like, you know, I wanted it a certain way, just aesthetic wise. Mm -hmm. But it was like genuinely it could have been eight different ways. And I would have been like, cool. Yeah. I just did not care. And Mm -hmm. to be clear, I would marry again. I would get married again. I would not have a wedding again. Mm -hmm. That is like a line in the sand. I'm never doing that again. I would like throw a party. I'm not ever having a wedding again. Mm -hmm. And I I like more people kind of going to non-traditional, which I think is being forced because of the budget. Right. Where like the average wedding costs $30,000, but many people pay way more. Yeah. And it depends on where you live. Like if you live in a Mm -hmm. high cost of living area, good luck to you getting it under $100,000. But hate it and i worked for a bridal magazine briefly it made me hate the industry even more yeah because it's just none of it was actually about happy marriages Mm -hmm. or even a happy wedding day yeah it was about impressing people it's like who fucking cares like when my parents got married they got married in the basement of my dad's polish speaking church it Mm -hmm. was a potluck like their decor and like it was beautiful but it was it's like it's happy it's about your family yeah who cares and my mom like still talks about it that way where she's like yeah I just I didn't really think about it all Mm -hmm. that hard how do you think marriage will evolve with new or non-traditional relationships like ethical non-monogamy embracing singlehood things like co-parenting, which is really widely accepted and out, mm-hmm. um, like with those models being so much more common and so much more accepted, how do you see that changing marriage? I mean, I do feel like we are kind of naturally progressing to think as of marriage and partnership as separate, mm-hmm. like I mentioned earlier. And I think that's a really good thing. Yeah. Um, I think like the contract of marriage 
can be really useful in situations that aren't necessarily a traditional marriage. Mm-hmm. Like I've always said that I would want like a platonic life partner, you yeah. know, and that's something where it's like, you know, there's civil unions and those kinds of things. But like, I can see the benefit of if I were to have a platonic life partner that eventually maybe there would be benefits to like the legal side of it. Yeah. I can see how if I were to end up with like a romantic partner, maybe the marriage legal parts of it would never become relevant. Yeah. And I just, it feels like those two things can and should be thought of as separate entities Mm -hmm. that sometimes go together and sometimes don't. Yeah. And I think with these very like, like ethical non-monogamy and that kind of stuff, these unique scenarios, um, it's just going to become a lot more like organic, like, Mm -hmm. okay, we're in this situation. We have to think about it this way and not a, you know, like less of a cultural movement. Like, let's think of this differently more just like, well... We have to because we're in a different type of like relationship situation. And I think one of the things that's just flabbergasting Mm -hmm. is I would say that male-female marriage is probably one of the most problematic models of long-term monogamy Mm -hmm. for the reasons we've already talked through. Right. However, every model Mm -hmm. of long-term romantic or otherwise partnership, there is so much shame Mm-hmm. around divorce there's yeah. so much shame still around same-sex marriage there was mm-hmm. so much shame around mm-hmm. and just hatred for yeah i think there's shame around living together before you're mm-hmm. married or without getting married mm-hmm. you know like i remember i moved for my ex-husband before we were married i moved across the country with him and mm-hmm. i remember being so embarrassed to tell people that mm-hmm. because it was like, well, you haven't locked him down yet. Why mm-hmm. would you make such a huge yeah. life change for him? And it was like, I wasn't being a, you know, like good enough woman. Like I hadn't got really gotten him yet. Right. And yeah. I think there's just so much shame around these alternative partnerships mm-hmm. or like ethical non-monogamy yeah. or swingers or whatever like mm-hmm. there is so much just scrutiny over that yeah still mm-hmm. and i think like there it's evolving where i feel like you know people are much more accepting of divorce i was still it was a hard thing to tell literally everyone in my life right. mm-hmm. it was a hard thing to have people reaching out to me hey did you and your ex break up up from your social media, it kind of looks like you did. It was an embarrassing thing to like, I had to tell my boss at one point in my performance review, I had to tell her like, I'm going through a divorce just yeah. so you're aware of this. Mm-hmm. And people, you know, might be supportive in the moment, but still would say very judgmental things about other people who were divorced. Yeah. That you still hear. Yeah. That still feels terrible to mm-hmm. hear other people say. And so I think having these other models be so scrutinized and have so much shame and guilt around them mm-hmm. and then have like and morality attached to them. Yes. And have like cishet marriages just be still on this, you know, ivory tower of like right. it's the epitome of love and it's the epitome mm-hmm. of happiness and it's the best, the best you can do in life. And it's yeah. like, is it? Yeah. For some people it is, if that's mm-hmm. right for you, but for a lot a lot of people it's not. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, why do we want to put everyone force everyone into a relationship that won't necessarily make everyone happy? Mm-hmm. But I I do think it's shifting. Yeah. And I do think there will be less marriages because of it. Yeah. Especially fewer hetero 
marriages. Mm -hmm. I think fewer monogamous marriages. I think people do already seem to be less attached. Fewer romantic marriages. Yes. I think people seem a little less attached to the legality of it. People Mm -hmm. are waiting. I think people are getting married older. And just, I think we're moving towards an idea of like us as individuals being more fluid. Yes. In the way we change Mm -hmm. over time. And I think the default has always been if you change with your when you're in a partnership, you change together and you figure it the fuck out. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to be moving a lot more towards wow, we really like one of our one of our friends. I feel like they and their partner had gone through an interesting deconstruction time from a religious upbringing, and it was like okay, this has led us to very different places. Yeah, it is good for us to separate right now and of course there's always going to be like some sadness and heartbreak involved in any I mean think of like best friends you no longer talk to and stuff like that like that is sad yeah but you are still growing and changing as a person and there are some things where it's like yes this is a normal level of change and like you should want to work through it the way that like, you know, you and I mm-hmm. work through difficulties because yeah. we, we care about each other and we want to stay friends. Yeah. And so you don't just, you know, it's not like it just becomes this thing where you're just like, well, okay, one conflict means we aren't the same person and now it's over. Right. But it, I do think there is, there will be more openness to the idea of just people being fluid and yes. how they change. And at some point it may be that you guys aren't right for each other. Yeah. And that I, that's normal. Yes. And it's, I think, I, I just still love the idea that it's successful. Yeah. Like that that is something. Yeah. Having the awareness of yourself mm-hmm. to say, you know what? I'm not the person I was when I was 20. I don't want the same things out of life. Yeah. I don't want the same partner that I wanted when I was 20. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that I made a mistake. Right. It just means that I'm not going to make the mistake of staying with the same person for the rest of my life. Right. I And I really think about it as like going through a divorce, huge grief. Yeah. And, and in a sense, a grief that I think will linger for my life. Yeah. But like, I can't imagine the grief mm-hmm. Of staying in that relationship until back. I die. Yeah. And grieving a And having a life daily you could grief. Have had. Yeah. A daily grief of I'm in the wrong relationship. Yeah. I'm with a person. I'm not achieving what I want mm-hmm. to in life. And achievement can be happiness. Right. Like, I, you know, I, I'm not the person I need to be because yeah. I'm in this relationship. Well, and they're not the person that they right. need to be because I'm in a relationship with yeah. them and we're both holding each other back. And the grief of that, mm-hmm. I, like, I can deal with the grief of, like, I love my life mm-hmm. and I made the right call, but it's hard to lose someone you love. Right. I cannot live with the grief of mm-hmm. sticking with someone for the wrong reason and giving up so much for the rest of your life yeah for something i don't even enjoy mm-hmm. you know it's just yeah something I and we live with grief in various forms at all times yeah. it is interesting the you way have people it say well this is a grief you brought upon yourself and that's somehow different than a grief where like a person you love passes away right and it is different sort of there is choice involved yes but it's suddenly like the choice puts like yeah. A weird sense of morality on top of it yes. for a lot of people where it's like, well, you could have avoided this. It's like, well, why yeah. is this grief? Why do you think this grief would be so much more difficult to bear than the grief you just mentioned of like a life that you didn't get to live? And I think so often, I don't have any statistics to back this up. But like, 
so often, I think, especially in the case of divorce or staying in a relationship too long. Mm -hmm. Like you said, I think there's this perception when you separate from someone that it's a grief you brought upon yourself. Mm -hmm. I think so often we are unwilling to accept that we do not have control over the people we are in relationships with, whether it's a friendship, a family member, a marriage, like you do not have control over that person. Mm-mm. They can change. Yeah. They can change their mind. Mm-hmm. They can cheat on you. Yeah. They can become a person that you don't align with anymore. Yeah. That happens. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not a mutual growth. Sometimes yeah. it is that person has changed Mm -hmm. or they're coming to me like you know in my case it was like a huge shift on their part to say like I don't think I ever loved you ouchie Mm -hmm. you know but it's like why should I yeah why should I stay with that person Mm -hmm. when they have changed I think that's that is why I feel like I am so aggressively Mm -hmm. (laughs) not anti-marriage but like Like when we talked about friends, like friends first, you build this community first. You have to accept the fact that you may never find someone or the person you find will change. Like I think it can come off very anti-marriage. Yeah. The way I speak about it, but it is because I so vehemently believe that you cannot plan this shit out. No. And that if you're not prioritizing these other things in life, like friendships, if you're not building a life that if you don't find that or if you find it and it goes away, you will still be happy. Yeah. I think a lot of people who really want marriages and stuff hear that and think, well, you just like think that I I should work. Well, no. Well, yes. But I feel like they think they hear me say, well, it's not bad that I want this. And it's like, I'm not. It's not no bad way to want am it. I saying that. Yeah. I'm not saying it's bad to want this. I'm saying that people are human. And if you are living your whole life circling around this idea that the thing that will make you the most happy is being in a marriage with kids, you are setting yourself up for disappointment. Yes, 100%. I also think like I am, I am not anti-marriage in any way Mm -hmm. I'm very like I I think having been in a long-term relationship even if it wasn't with the right person I I understand what's nice about it I Mm -hmm. get like people who really want to be married it's like there were there are things that are so comforting Mm -hmm. and lovely about having a person just to share your home with or to share like there's something really beautiful about sharing a future like planning ahead with a person Mm -hmm. Or factoring them in. Yard work has been a big thing for me. It's like, it would be nice to have a partner because it's hard to get myself out there, outside to do a physical labor by myself. Yeah, I think having partnership is beautiful. Mm -hmm. I think what I'm very much so against is making it work at all cost. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people who are in long-term committed relationships wouldn't say that that's what they're doing Mm -hmm. but it is yeah you're sacrificing i think at least my experience was that your needle is just moving and moving and moving back Mm -hmm. and it's like at some point i just lost Mm -hmm. what i am am and i'm not willing to sacrifice for this to work out right and and i know like everyone who goes through a divorce says this is my number one piece of advice. And sometimes it's like, people are like, don't get married or always have a prenup. And like, I hear people say that all the time. My biggest lesson I learned that I would like 
for my future self, if I was getting into a new relationship that mm -hmm. could lead to marriage, always be in a place where you're willing to lose it. Yeah. I think I was so willing <laughs> to lose myself mm -hmm. to make it work. Yeah. And who is that for? Mm -hmm. Because that person did fall in love with me. Sure. And I am a, I am all of the good parts of me, you know, I've kind of like compromised on. Mm -hmm. And it's not that you can't ever compromise. It's that you need to know what you are and aren't willing to compromise on. Mm -hmm. And I think so often people kind of move that line back over time and then you lose the most important things. And that's yeah. when you have that like resentment and just this very unfair unfulfilling life together yeah where neither of you are really getting what you want mm -hmm. out of it but no one wants to say it right you know and I think that's why it's like I I I love love you know me I love the feeling of being in love whether it's for a lifetime or an hour <laughs> I, I love it yeah but like I I don't love making it work at any cost yeah. and I think because in male female relationships i think mm -hmm. because women are the the minority or the oppressed especially in the institution of marriage mm -hmm. they are often the ones compromising yeah to make mm -hmm. it work and i think up until very 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 recently and i think sometimes it's still true today that the expectation is that the woman is the one who should compromise to make it work yeah. and i just think we're no longer in a societal position where we have mm -hmm. to and we shouldn't. And I don't think it makes anyone happier. Yeah. So that's where, and I think a lot of married people do take that as being anti-marriage. And I think mm -hmm. that says a lot about how people define <laughs> mm -hmm. marriage. And defend imperfect or abusive ones. Yes. And I think it says a lot to say, no, you just, you just shouldn't abandon yourself yeah. to be with a person mm -hmm. and for people to s take that as well then you're anti-marriage it's like did you hear what I just said right. <laughs> yeah. yeah I don't think you did yeah. and if that's the kind of marriage you want it does concern me yeah definitely so, I think that needle starts moving uh early too like before especially if you are older getting a little bit older past your early 20s yeah then I I've seen a lot of people start moving that needle while they're dating oh because yeah because they're trying to get to the point where they just find somebody yes and or it's like a little by little compromise as you go I did that yes. I mean I've only had one you relationship chip away. but I could yeah. tell I could tell in my relationship I remember thinking well you know like maybe just my expectations were too high it's okay that I'm not attracted to him mm -hmm. like even just like physically attracted yeah. to him oh, not yeah. in a this person was ugly way but just like I had no physical sexual attraction to this person and I was like well maybe that's just normal and I just had expectations and it's like well okay there goes the needle a little yeah. bit or the things I talked myself into what were asking too much of a partner yeah like it, you know I related a lot to our one friend who says in hindsight it sounds so dumb like the things I just want to like slap myself in the face mm -hmm. for but I didn't know better and I didn't yeah. have the skills to really like you know mm -hmm. I just knew what I knew yeah. at the time so it's not like I fault myself for it but it's like Man, I, the gymnastic, the mental gymnastics I was doing to yeah. be like, oh, well, I just need to need less. Mm -hmm. And it's like, God, Sarah, I was just thinking like in my case, I was so young. Mm -hmm. 
I don't think I even had those parameters yet. Yeah. I don't even think I had like my pillars of self yet mm -hmm. to hold fast to. Yeah. You know, and I do think that idea of marrying young and like the pressure of like, I think there's like a weird pressure to maybe not get married when you're in college mm -hmm. or by the time you gra graduate college, but to find the person you want to marry by then. Yeah. And that like you graduate college and it's so so much harder to meet people. And like, I remember feeling that pressure. I look back and it's like, it wasn't even a fully formed brain yet. Yeah. Like I just, I didn't even have the self to be, to define and to mm -hmm. say like, hey, you can't cross this line with me because mm -hmm. I didn't have any. Yeah. <laughs> I just was like, okay, whatever, mm -hmm. you know? And um, I don't think that's good either. Okay, our mini segment to wrap things up is Women in STEM. How are you a women, woman in STEM this week? I am a woman in STEM because I am, look, if you will listen to, what episode was that that we just did? 14 that we're publishing yes. next week. So if you go and listen to episode 14, which is out now, and you listen to the bloopers at the end of that fucking episode. Brutal. Know that that <laughs> is how this week I was a woman in STEM. Yeah. Because when I tell you Sarah's video stopped five times, our audio stopped twice, which has never happened before. Yeah. And with all the speeding up and slowing down I have to do, to get video and audio to match, let me tell you, that was a good, Brutal. like, six hours just to get things aligned. Which is usually, like, it, to edit the whole video is eight to ten. Yeah. Yeah. So then I had six plus another, like, you know, six, which is still overall better than what, you know, I used to. But, man, that was a doozy. That was me yeah. at Women in STEM this week. I, I feel like you will appreciate that this was me being a woman in STEM and most of our listeners will laugh at me. I <laughs> ordered party supplies on my phone in my bed. And for anyone who doesn't know me, I don't DoorDash. The last time I, I will literally text Maggie to DoorDash something for me and then Venmo her for it. My, it's not that I don't know how to do things technologically. I just don't. I don't know. I am a difficult person in that way. And I don't think I have ever ordered anything on Amazon from my phone ever. I always would go on my computer. And I was like, I don't need my computer. I can just log in on my phone and I ordered it. Did you log in on your browser? Or did you download the app? Is there an app? There's, of course there's an app. <laughs> I logged in on my browser and funny story. I knew the second you said on my phone, I was like, she doesn't even have the app, does she? This is Safari. Funny story, when I had my first smartphone, I didn't know that there were apps for like an embarrassingly long amount of time, like at least a year. Yeah. So I was logging into Facebook from my browser on my first smartphone yeah. and it never worked. And I was always like, how are you able to do that? And I can't do that. And it was because I did not understand that there was an app. I think I just recently showed you how to swipe down to like turn on silent, like the yeah. find your notifications and stuff. Do not disturb storage. Yeah. Who is she? Yeah. Yeah. Look, know. your women in STEM issues are causing my women in STEM issues in editing. <laughs> I don't receive that. <laughs> but I do. It's not like I'm not smart enough to figure technology out. It's, I just don't have the desire. Yeah. 
at all. That's so funny. I will let my technology rot before I update it and I never use it to its full capability absolutely ever. I think I am always looking for ways to be more efficient and to get some of my time back. Yeah, you're absolutely the opposite of me. Yeah, I'm like, I will get grocery delivery so I don't have to go over there. I will get I did that for the first time when I had COVID. I did a grocery delivery at Target Mm -hmm. and I logged in on my browser. Um... (laughs) I also, like, I still, like, if I'm ordering pizza, I still call. But I had to stop, like, there's the one place locally that, like, no longer, you can't call. You have to order online. And I don't know if they have an app, but I order on my browser. Yeah, they probably have an app. Unless it's, like, Empire. (laughs) Yeah, I... Like, Papa John's and stuff. So, anyways, but I was really proud of myself. Yeah, good job. I also, I paid extra for expedited shipping, which is something I normally refuse to do. And I ordered something in enough time because uh, a common problem I have is I'm going to order this online and then I wait until it's too late. And I hear it every day for two weeks and then I'm like, she didn't ever get to it. I'm I'm currently in that loop. I need to book a flight for next Thursday. (laughs) Didn't this happen last year and you ended up paying an exorbitant amount of money? Every time I've ever booked a flight in my entire life. I, yeah, I, for a flight to Erie, Pennsylvania. Last summer, I waited until two weeks before and I paid $1,200 for a flight that could have been like four. Look, the money you save from not this paying delivery women fees. in STEM segment is hurting my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying most of it. <laughs> I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> I, no, I was going to say that the money that you're saving by not doing DoorDash or paying for expedited delivery is goes to your, I paid for this flight too late fund. Probably so. in my lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Where to find us? Instagram and TikTok. Madwomaninattic.pod. Patreon. Patreon.com slash madwomaninattic.pod. Yeah. Website. Madwomaninattic.com. Yeah. Ho, 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 ho. Bye, Bye I love ya. <laughs> I have to pee so bad.